the Rad Okay, so here we go. Here we go. First ever rad prodcast. Yeah, yeah. You like that? Prodcast. I like that. I just came up with that when I was taking a shit. <laughs> As most good ideas come about. Um, so I don't really know what we're doing here. Um, yeah. We're definitely not getting paid for this. So no, no. I'm not going to give it 100%, but I'll give it my best. I'll, I'll try to. Good job, man. <laughs> yeah, way yeah. to try. High five oh, that zone. Was that was the worst high five, high five ever. ever. Yeah. Um, so this is our attempt to be cool and hip and, and put out our own podcast, a la Joe Rogan or Bill Burr or whatever. What What's your favorite podcast? My favorite murder. Bye. Bye. I that, love them. I still don't. I don't. I've never heard that. I don't know what that is. What I, is it? It what is was, where does this buy thing come I, from? Well, I don't know where that comes from because I, a lot of people do that. Um, even like one show that I love, RuPaul's Drag Race, the there was one girl on there, Alaska Thunderfuck, and she would say, "Hi, Th- Th- Thunderfuck, Alaska Thunderfuck five thousand, oh, Thunderfuck." Yeah, okay, so she's an awesome drag queen, and uh, she would <laughs> uh, she would always say, "Hi, okay, bye." And so I don't know what the origin of that is, but they, okay. the girls on My Favorite Murder, they do the, so okay, it's, bye. It's like a hip thing. It's just the, the, what all the cool kids are doing now. I the guess. Bye. I guess. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to be doing that, but if you want to do that, you can do that on the Rad Broadcast, whatever. Okay. Um, so how about we talk about how we got started in this. I don't know. A lot of people wonder how we got into radio. Yeah. I know that Rob and Don talk about it all the time. They got started 20 years ago and well, they actually wanted to do it. Yeah. And well, I mean, you kind of wanted to do it too, right? I did. Um, when I was 16, I remember vividly walking down the street, uh, with one of my best friends and he was also a, a, a kid that I played music with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just very creative dudes. We had always performed together and stuff. And I thought, that I wanted to do a radio show because growing up, I would listen to the rad show with my mom on the way to work. Yeah. And, yeah. Me too. Or on the way to school. Well, not with my mom, but I listened on the way to school. And, you know, it was just the, it was the cool thing to listen to and only a couple, couple of minutes at a time. But mm-hmm. it was something that my, my family and I bonded over. Um, and I, I just always loved the idea of, of making people laugh in radio. So was your mom, the original maggot of the family? You know, I don't know which came first because my dad commuted for about an hour every morning. And so listening to the radio in the morning was such a big deal to him. Yeah. And I don't know if it was my dad who turned my mom onto the show or vice versa. But I do know my dad listened to the show that came on prior to Rat Radio before they came to Sacramento. Oh, the yeah. okay. The ones that they kicked out of the Sacramento? Yeah, pretty much. And we, <laughs> we live... My family and I, we've always lived in this this Sacramento proper area. Yeah. So Sacramento radio was always a staple, at least for my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good question. I'm going to have to find out who came first in the rad maggot. Yeah. Who was the first original maggot in our family. But your mom was the one driving you to school, so you that's who you'd listen with. Right. And sometimes my dad, but most of the time my mom. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I just always thought the idea was cool. I remember walking down the street with my best friend. Um, about 16 years old. And I was like, you know, it would be fun to do a radio show and not much longer, maybe a, a week or two goes by and we find out there's a community radio station that's starting up in Georgetown, California. And it was such BFE, a, USA. It was such a big deal 
but the radio station was geared more towards the folksy people because okay. uh, Georgetown, if anybody's familiar with the area, is such a backwoodsy type of place where everything is spread out. There's a lot of horse people, a lot of livestock. There's a lot of truckers, you yeah. know, a lot of uh, a lot of tree um, limber work that goes on up in that area, and so it's 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 very folksy. Yeah, and that's how they wanted to present the community radio station and. If if there if you know anything about radio, there's a lot of money involved, especially when it comes to fines. And if if you violate any FCC laws, it's thousands, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars or jail time. Yeah. You know, it, it's <laughs> you don't it, fuck around. It's a big deal. So they were very strict about what they put on there. But for whatever reason, they thought it would be fun to put my goofy ass and my friends on the radio once or twice a week. For one oh. hour a day, each time. That's and so that fun. Was, I didn't realize that. That's awesome that you had that. It, we had like a Tuesday, Thursday, from four to five p.m. Yeah. show time slot. Oh, cool! And but sandwich in between uh, Billy Bob's banjo <laughs> hour, and then the news guy who just read PSAs for the last last part of the day, and uh, we. I tried to model my show off of Rob. I oh, like. Wow. I had this whole. Um, I had this whole game set up that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you give five questions type of thing. I'm almost like a trivia game that we do now. Um, news stories. I kind of emulated the storytelling off yeah. of, off of him and, you know, it was, it was fun. What was the name of it? I don't remember <laughs> what the name of the show was. It wasn't as cool as rad broadcast though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super cool. Um, I know somewhere there, there's a cassette tape of our air checks. Um, cause the, the guy that I did it with, um, he keeps Everything he's yeah. kept like all of our embarrassing VHS tapes of us camcorder, you know, all of our shenanigans oh, up shit. in the hoods, and you gotta dig that. I know shit out. it's pretty funny. That's and, gotta be gold. There's so many embarrassing things. In there. <laughs> like there, one of my friends t- thought it would be a funny idea to go to the school because my school, my house was right next to the elementary school, and that's uh-huh. that's where we would go to play and and play basketball and stuff um, to pass the time and. For whatever reason, one of my friends thought it would be a funny idea to take a shit on <laughs> one of the, uh, like, those toy castles that you would see in, like, the, the kindergarten area. Yeah, like the climbing on ones. Not the climbing on ones, but they, they were, like, the ones big enough where you can, like, play dolls and kind of take it oh, apart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy thought it would be funny to take a shit all oh, over this thing. Man. And then he throws it up against the wall. And, Poor you know, kids. We're going to school at this place. This is during the weekend, but so it's not like the kids are there to see it, but... I feel bad for the janitor who had to come by and clean all that shit, shit. up. But it, that's all on videotape. We got uh-huh. pulled over by the cops uh, for riding in a truck underage. We were like 15, mm-hmm. and we weren't supposed to be riding together in the same car. But I got on camera, us getting pulled over by the cops and getting pulled out of the truck and getting caught, basically. Yeah. They let us go, but it was just funny because it's on camera. I feel like it was such a different time back then because we did do just fucked up stupid shit to pass the time mm-hmm. but then also i have to think about you know kids all want to be youtube famous now so they're recording and i think that's stupid. that's kind of where it came from the jackassification yeah, yeah is totally. we were kind of you know just documenting every stupid thing that we did and mm-hmm. we, we didn't have any intention of sending it into tv or youtube wasn't even invented thing, yet yeah but this was even the late this was like mid to late 90s yeah that and it doesn't seem like that long ago but societally that's so different yeah so when you had your your what was the community radio yeah, it was a community radio show and yeah you, you were 16 mm-hmm. who ran the board like you, you 
Do you know how to do that stuff back then? Yeah, I kind of, well, it was pretty simple. It wasn't much different than a, a, a mixing board that we have set up in the studios today. Mm-hmm. You know, levers, turn on the mic, turn off the mic. I had CDs that I'd play music off of mm-hmm. or sound effects off of. Um, there was a tape deck that we recorded off of. Um, so it, it was it was pretty simple. But I was also pretty advanced when it came to that technology. Stuff. So stuff. I, I kind of came prepackaged with with the knowledge. But they also trained us on it and stuff. It was pretty cool. It was it was a very cool experience up until the day we got canceled. Um, and the reason why we got canceled wasn't because we we cussed on the air, or we we offended anybody, but <clears throat> we actually did offend somebody by playing the sound of a toilet flushing. Fuck. And that's how we got canceled. Oh, like that's, that's how they, so they say silly. you're so immature because you're yeah. playing a flushing noise. And oh, I think it's because we actually had to take the equipment, like <laughs> take the microphone off the mount, uh-huh. walk it down the hallway to the toilet, and shove it kind of in the general <laughs> direction of the toilet. Maybe it was a health violation. I don't know, but you know, it's all good. It did turned you... it turned out to be a, a fun experience. Yeah, I had no idea that you did that when yeah. you were younger. Did you have um, like commercial breaks and stuff, or because it was community radio, they didn't have that? They didn't have that. The commercial breaks were when we took breaks to play music. Oh, okay. And then okay. the the commercials were PSAs, and you right. had so you had to fit in a certain amount of time, uh, a certain amount of times, certain PSAs at certain. Uh, you know, half hour at the top of the hour, at the quarter of the hour, that's yeah. when you would deliver the PSA. And, you know, it was like Hufflepuffs, upholstery, <laughs> call 530-555, you know. And uh, it, it was just super simple and laid back. And I don't know, it was fun. It was a fun experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was my first exposure to doing radio. And if I had thought, if I had actually wanted to do it and, uh, it was totally different than the real world, though, because yeah. when when I uh, graduated high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but I knew I wanted to intern at, at the radio station because I had tried when I was 18 years old to be an intern at our flagship station, 98 Rock, but you have to be 21 in order to be an intern because most of the events that they go to are 21 plus, right. bars, right, right. strip clubs, and of course, I wanted to be all about that. Yeah, but I had to wait till I was older. Fortunately, yeah. my uh, predecessor, uh, old school listeners will remember her. Uh, Megan was my boss, and she was also known as Hot Pants. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you remember Hot Pants. Yeah, I do because I was a listener since right when I got out of high school. So I graduated in '99. Yeah, and uh, and so I would list. I started listening. My best friend and I uh, that I mentioned before on the regular show, Sylvia, her and I, the skin doctor, the skin doctor, mm-hmm. um, her and I were listeners. It was kind of like a thing that we had between us that we both listened to the show and then we could talk about it with each other. So when you I, were scissoring. Y- yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. The pillow fights. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I remember her and um, when they went to C- when Seattle, there was a bow. Yeah. There's, there's been so many different, uh, so many different producers, but mm-hmm. this one, she was, she was started out as the, uh, Megan started out as the, um, production person or not production, but promotions assistant. Oh, okay. So she was kind of managing all of the various events that we would, that 98 Rock would do. Mm-hmm. And that's where the internship rooted was in the promotions department. Oh, okay. And so that, that was kind of my first job. Once I finally turned 19, 21. Oh, you know what? Back it up. When I interviewed for 98 Rock, I was like 16, 17. Oh, shit. 
and so they entertained the idea because I was still in high school. They couldn't hire me, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, I remember it was 18 that you had to be to be an intern. Mm-hmm. So I take that back. Um, so when I turned 18, I graduated high school. I got uh, got into Sierra College, which is a tough school to get into. Oh, yeah. Um, Community and, college. And I, I was just going in for communications because it was mm-hmm. the most broad spectrum. Yeah. Ma- um, not master, but... Uh, field to go into at mm-hmm. the time and you know i I wanted to be in music I, I wanted to do some sort of production i wanted to be behind the scenes doing that stuff right and so the internship came a lot came around i i i got hired like six months later and man i i'm trying to figure out because there were so many moving pieces going on at that time leading up to joining the show that i i just have to really think about it yeah so Let's fast forward then a little bit. So you started working with Megan as an intern, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then from there, that 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 was the working relationship that kind of got your foot in the door to yeah. the show. Yeah, and I so okay. When I was a promotions guy, I would. Oh, <laughs> the boss man just got to make sure I'm not doing anything wrong here. Yeah, he's got to check up on us. Yeah, sorry, that's okay. I'll edit that. <laughs> it's okay. So when I was a promotions guy, I was I was going out and handing out tick, uh, stickers to everybody, mm-hmm. and and the morning show was always um, secluded. They were always off in their own area. You never really see them. You never really get to talk to them. If you did, it was walking past the hallway. Well, and they hated everybody. They don't they did. interact. Yeah, right? and they they most of the time they did what they do now. They left right after the show. Mm-hmm. And there was a day when I, I knew where Rob's office was, mm-hmm. and um, I knew who he was. And I knew that he would be in there because I was there earlier on in the day. Um, and I so I walked into his office. And I said, "Rob," and he, I, I remember this really vividly because the, the office they gave him was probably like five feet by five feet. It was probably an old closet. <laughs> yeah, an old closet. I was going to say and a storage closet, like a giant. You know those old school computer monitors that took up half the desk. And mm-hmm. and I, I I remember he had barely any room. He was just kind of furiously working to get out of there. And I was like, oh, hey, Rob, I just want to stop you for a second. And I want to let you know I really respect you. I love your show. You know, and, and I, I hope to get the opportunity to work with you guys someday. And that was my first interaction with Rob. And I was like just in total passing. He yeah. had no idea who I was. He just saw me as some pipsqueak kid. <laughs> yeah. No, and uh, little did I know, Nick, uh, former producer Fat Nick, who's still the producer. He's still doing video work. And he's not fat. He's the best. He, yeah. He is. He, he is the reason why I'm sitting in this chair today doing all any of this because um, he heard through the the radio station ranks that I was always there. I was I was working for free. I was I was constantly working with other DJs and learning the equipment. Yeah. And, and because that's what I did. I glommed on to the life, the, to, to the career like mm-hmm. it was a lifestyle. And yeah. that's kind of. What you have to do even today. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think that's very much how it is today. The show is a life. And, yep. and when you treat your career that way, it, it's it's hard to think of it as a job or a career when you're having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of days where I'm like, oh, God damn it. I don't want to do this same bullshit again. Yeah. But, man, it, it is it is so hard to call it a job because it is so much fun. Yeah. So after you – so Nick kind of – Heard through the grapevine that you were a good employee. Mm-hmm. And then 
who was somebody leaving? Or Nick, what was, yeah, Nick was leaving. He oh, was, he was leaving. He was actually leaving the show to go to move to L.A. because he oh, wanted to be. Right. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to be big time in TV or movies. Yeah, Tarantino. And, right. So he went and and served tables and and hawked his screenplays or whatever he did. <laughs> um, and so he needed somebody to step in, and I yeah. was kind of like the interim guy um, while Megan was being. Uh, kind of molded to be the executive producer because she had more management skills and I was still a, a young guy who didn't really know what he was doing. Yeah. But I could lift a lot of the the heavy weight when it came to the technical stuff. Yeah. So do you remember like what your interview was with Rob? Did you have an interview? No, it was it was kind of I bet it's similar to how you kind of got started, where mm-hmm. it was a position needed to be filled. So let's throw you in and and sh- and show us what you got, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that that interview came along after I I proved my worth my worth mm-hmm. as as basically starting as a phone screener mm-hmm. and doing all the doing all the bitch work as as much as I could um, until I was given more. Uh, responsibility. So there wasn't really an interview. It was more of like an introduction, like, Hey, this is what it's expected of you. If Mm -hmm. you could just do your job, then, you know, we'll see what happens next. Yeah. Um, so, and it just, it just spiraled out of control from there. I think I was a producer for the show slash phone screener for a couple of years. There was a bunch of change around with other producers. Uh, Christy was ultimate, ultimately the one who came along, um, from Michigan after a couple of years that I'd been working with the show and she helped springboard us into where we are today in this building um, while being kind of like the overseeing operations manager of, of, of the whole team right. alongside Rob. Um, and Christy was the one who actually brought you on board yeah. to the show, right? Yeah. The, so, and that's funny because so it's funny the different relationships you have and not knowing. I mean, of course, now looking back in hindsight, you're like, wow, that was that relationship changed my life forever. And uh, Christy and I's relationship was one of those that changed my life forever. Um, I met her through roller derby. She she came through Michigan to work um, and I was a, a rad show fan. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was excited that she was going to be working there. Um in fact, I remember you guys had had a radathon, and I, after practice, after derby practice, because she wasn't going to be able to make it, I um, brought over like a bunch of candy and Red Bulls and shit, and delivered it. Oh my god! So, yeah, I, I we were probably we probably crossed paths way before we even we you and I have ever met. Yeah, just through the show. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. So I brought I brought a bunch of stuff for you guys because. I knew how grueling those would get. Twenty-four hour broadcast for charity. Yeah, those are those are awful. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun in the middle of the night because you could just first you were punch drunk. Yeah, you know, and and back then there was a little bit of imbibing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have to have something to kind of keep you going, and mm-hmm. and booze was definitely consumed in the middle of the night. Oh, really? <clears throat> it was fun. Like there there was a lot of funds that came out of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, raising money for charity was really cool. Um, but just to have that opportunity to do something so different that yeah. nobody else was doing, yeah, it was just really fun. So that that's that's how I kind of start. I guess that was that relationship was my entrance into the rad show. But I had no, unlike you and and Christy and Rob and Don and everybody, 
I had no intention ever in a million years to work on radio mm-hmm. ever that not even crossed my mind. I worked for corporate America for AT&T for almost 10 years. Um, so that had been my, my, the majority of my work experience was, you know, telecommunications customer service. Um, so I had no, I, I didn't go to college. I had no real direction in life, mm-hmm. but I had moved to Texas. And when I moved back, I had no plan, and I was super scared because I was almost thirty, and I'm like, "Fuck, what? What am I going to do with?" You've my already life? transplanted your your life twice. Yeah, going out there and then coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, "What the fuck am I going to do?" And so, um, it just so happened that after I had had my son, Christy said, "Hey, we need somebody to answer phones." one day a week would you be willing to do that i'm like fuck i guess you know i don't got shit else going on easy part-time job yeah and my and my son by the time was about a year so i didn't feel so bad you know leaving him and he was going to be with his dad anyways and i'd be home by 11 Mm -hmm. you know so it's like okay cool i can do this one one day a week yeah and uh so i just started phone screening but christy um you know, she was here and she just started. I was just like, oh, well, show me that. Like, I want to learn that. Let me help. Because my thing was, because she was my best friend, I wanted to help her as much as possible. And part of that was learning everything that um, that she could teach me. And mm-hmm. so after after I started to, you know, learn more stuff, because I was kind of raised like you should, when you work for a company, you should learn as much as you can about that company, make yourself more valuable. Absolutely. And so, um, then Rob took me on full time. Mm -hmm. And so then I was a full time phone screener slash producer. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I just, I never would have thought that I would be on the radio, especially because listening to the show. I mean, I remember, listening to the show as you know a young adult i even i before i ever worked on the show i uh i had a like a total sex dream about rob oh no <laughs> yeah when he was just like this distant <laughs> celebrity in my in my brain <laughs> so did you did you did that did you see him differently at first like because of that or like, I was, oh God, man! When so did when your I, opinion change after you'd met him and started? Working oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, obviously, absolutely. I was so nervous to have. So I did have a like a formal interview mm. and all that, um, and I was so nervous because you know it's Rob from the radio, this person that I've been listening to for forever. He's intimidating in person if you haven't had the chance to hang out or talk to him in person yeah, for the first time. If in your mind it's rob from the radio i mean there's i mean we're a little bit different than how we are on air you know he's 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 much nicer than he makes himself off to be Mm -hmm. sometimes and um i was so nervous but then as soon as i sat down in the room and christy was there too um he was just so disarming Mm -hmm. um i think i even cussed in my interview like he he cussed and then i was like okay it's it's okay to cuss gloves are off yeah um so yeah, that was just that was really nerve wracking, but it, you know, it ended up working out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never, I'm such a horrible public speaker. I get, <laughs> I am, I get so nervous talking in front of people. Um, I gave <laughs> Sylvia, who just recently got married, my best friend. I gave the maid of honor speech in Mexico, and I was 
A, so fucking nervous. Mm -hmm. So I had everything written down. I had been working on it and like everything that I wanted to say. And then this like quote that I wanted to put in there, everything. And then it was an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. So I just started drinking champagne. Yeah, I just started drinking Mm. champagne as soon as I fucking got there. I mean, when when you get out of the little cab, they hand you champagne. And so I just started drinking you know, to relax or whatever. Well, by the time the fucking thing came around. Sylvia, I love you so yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I felt so horrible the next day. Girl, the speech. <laughs> ah, I just thought I kissed you. <laughs> and I was trying to read the speech in front of all these people. I'm shaking. The, the <laughs> paper's blowing in the wind. Oh, so fucking horrible. But so I just have that. Yeah. You know, I'm nervous. But when we're on the air... You know, or right now, it's just like I'm talking to my homies. I'm not talking. I mean, I know logically in our brain that we broadcast to hundreds of thousands, millions of people, maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it doesn't feel like that to me. Yeah, I think you you got lucky in the sense that we we have this we've had this environment for at least since you've known it, Mm -hmm. you know. When we were in the in the ninety Rock Studios, there was a totally different feeling. It felt, I'm sure, very stiff, very. very formal, Mm -hmm. but not in the sense of, you know, this is business is business. It's like, you know, there's just so much going on and so many things that can distract you. Mm -hmm. That's one of the beautiful things that we have created here is that it's like a home that we we just relax and chill. And I mean, you got to admit, even before when like three years ago, back in 2015, I think now 20, whenever the big change happened with the show where it turned into the Rob, anybody and Dawn, I don't know if it was 14 or 15, but it was almost three years ago. Yeah. I was fucking nervous because I mean, there was, there's one, there was one thing to be like the kind of behind the scenes guy and, and Mm -hmm. weigh in on topics very rarely, but to be pulled into the, the, basically the limelight yeah out of out of basically nowhere yeah the clear and be prepared to perform Mm -hmm. you know it was it was challenging exciting and fun all at the same time but terrifying because i just i didn't know what to expect or or how it was going to turn out fortunately it's it's worked out that we're now branching out to do podcasts yeah what the fuck um but you know how did you feel when we finally got lunged into the into the speaking time. I think it was just one of those, you know, we've we've had a lot of moments uh, working together where it's just like, all right, it's go time. This this thing is happening, and now we just gotta put our pull our bootstraps up, and we're gonna do it. And there's a job to be done, um, and you know that's kind of always been like our motto: mm-hmm. we're gonna get shit done. And um, yeah, I was I was really nervous, especially. Um, because I'm a bit of an oversharer, but I think that's part of my superpower is, is that I overshare. One of your appeal, I think, and is that you are open and you basically wear everything on your sleeve. Yeah. And so that I, um, I was nervous. It's nerve wracking to like how that could affect my kids and, and that kind of stuff. Being but, that exposed. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so there was definitely some conscious decisions that I had to make, um, while at the same time still being myself and Mm -hmm. still being that person that's gonna post a picture on the internet about pissing the bed you know Mm -hmm. like that that is just (laughs) that's just part of my personality Uh um but yeah it was really 
it was really nerve wracking, especially when I remember, you know, us having the meeting um, when there was a focus group to like how the new show. After the big change, we, we gathered a bunch of listeners to tell us what they felt like that uh, people that had been listening to the show for years and years and years who knew the older format now what they thought about the newer format and what did you think about those results yeah that was just i mean that's crazy that's like people are just gonna let you fucking have it however they'll, you know, they'll, they'll let you know yeah. yeah so that was that was pretty eye-opening and then just you know um sometimes it, even today sometimes i struggle with this when it's a when we're talking about a topic that maybe i don't ag- uh, don't agree with or have an opposing view and then try to like you want to talk about it but you don't want to argue and like you know it's just it, it it is nothing that i ever expected in a million years that i would be doing but i'm i'm so thankful for where life has brought me yeah. you know it's just i i do i do believe that everything happens for a reason and um you know, not having a plan on which direction I was going to go in life was mm-hmm. the best non-plan plan that I ever had. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, everything does tend to happen for a reason and timing is everything. And I think mm-hmm. now looking back, I, I'm great. I am grateful for just being shoved into it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like want it any other yeah. I, I don't want I don't want to the unknown. And that's one thing that always makes me so nervous is obviously just the unknown of mm-hmm. where you're going to be or what's going to happen next. But, I mean, if if you don't try, you don't know. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, Steve uh, Steve Harvey says all the time that, you know, you just got to make that jump. You just if, if you want anything to come of your life, you just have to make that jump. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's kind of where we're at now. Um, you know, you and I have been talking about doing a podcast for a while mm-hmm. now. And... You know, the the thought of doing it was super exciting, but we don't really know where mm-hmm. we're going to go, what we want to do, what we want to talk about. It's funny how you mentioned that you are not a very good public speaker, but I feel that by doing this job, it's it's made, at least me personally, a better communicator, a better speaker. Oh, yeah. And it helps in personal life and personal relationships just to be able mm-hmm. to talk. And that and the struggle to find a safe place to to talk about things and, and calmly debate things mm-hmm. are over outside of this, outside of this room, I feel. And yeah. I think the <laughs> yeah. more, the more we um, not discipline, but display that it can actually happen and do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great reminder that <clears throat> when we do get people that, that call in and react or email us, to let us know that, you know, that we did make an impact in their life or they, we did do something to change the way they feel about something and that, oh, you opened my eyes because I was able to disagree or agree with what you had mm-hmm. to say without any malicious intent or, you know, sticking my feet in the ground and yeah. not not allowing that opinion to be said. Yeah, I think, you know, just being having and having intelligent debates it's one of the most stimulating things that you can do, especially Diggity. when you don't, especially when you don't agree with the person, you know, and you can have that like civil discussion back and forth. It's, mm-hmm. I love that kind of discussion. Um, but you know, you were saying people write in or whatever and say that they, uh, that we affected them. It still blows me away to this day. I'll, you know, like on Instagram or something, somebody will send me a person, a personal message, mm-hmm. just reaching out to me about 
oh, you said this or whatever. And I'm sure the same happens with you talking about sobriety and stuff. And it's just, it's so, it it just blows me away that Mm. simply by talking about something that I know lots of people go through, but they, they get affected by just Mm -hmm. us talking and saying the words. And is it, could it be technology has forced us to kind of turn more um, inward and not allow ourselves to to truly express who we are and and who we want to be or how we're thinking or how we're feeling i mean you can't go on social media and say hey i'm a depressed Mm -hmm. without either being made fun of or disregarded yeah um but it's same goes for just talking with somebody Mm -hmm. it's hard to talk to people Mm -hmm. anymore and and i think platforms like this allow allow us to show that it can be done and that it's possible and you mentioned the the uh the people that reach out to us and mm-hmm. say that we've affected their lives in certain ways. And um, with the sobriety thing, when I decided to go booze free at the end of April, the outcry, uh, the support, mm-hmm. and it's not an outcry, it was support. The, yeah, the outpouring. The, the outpouring of support that came out from all of the listeners was so overwhelming and it reinforced my decision that I was making so much that I still carry around the thick. I don't know, half two, one and a half, two inch thick stack of emails from all of the listeners, either expressing their support, advice, mm-hmm. or just straight up, you know, just saying proud of you, you know? Yeah. I mean, that really does make a difference. And that, knowing that makes it easier for me to come into work every day mm-hmm. and easier to deal with the mundane bullshit that comes along with any job that you take. Yeah. You're gonna, there are going to be parts of your life and your job that you absolutely hate, but yeah. <laughs> knowing that what you, what you can do and the potential that you have affects other people mm-hmm. in a positive way. Yeah. Just keeps me going. Yeah. Me too. I fucking love it. A- absolutely. Me too. I mean, those, it's just the fact that somebody would take time out of their day to write kind words, yeah, you know, it, it really does. It makes me want to keep going, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it's, it's so amazing. We were actually, you know, for as much shit as we give our listeners for being stupid, we have some of the most kind listeners there, there are. Yeah. You can say that again. I, I feel we do give them a really hard time on the, on the regular show. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, without them, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Oh, me either. Yeah. It's just, it's what keeps me going. And obviously the support and love and the money and the management <laughs> skills yeah, and the yeah. mentorship from Rob and <laughs> how great Don is. And so, yeah, I think we've, we've done a good job so far. I hope. Um, yeah. Hope. This is all kind of new to you, Amanda and myself. Um, so we're going to try this out, keep it going maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, we'll call yeah. it the, the rad broadcast for now. Yeah, and I think do we want people to maybe email us? Yeah, yeah. You know, we 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 kind of want to create a place where you know we can talk about some stuff that that Brandon and I kind of can give our perspectives on. You know, both of us um, are you know have like alternative type of would you say alternative lifestyle? No, I mean with our. With our openness about our sexuality, yeah, a lot of people write in asking for advice, um, like during the six hour about having multiple partners or yeah. how do I do certain sexual techniques. You know, we can cover that kind of stuff here. I'd love, you know, it would be great to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. And uh, the only way we can interact with people um, through this type of format is through email. So yeah. 
let's uh, have you email us at rad at radradio.com. Uh, put in the subject line, broadcast, producers, questions, something like that. You know, if things pick up, if this whole thing gets some legs, we'll probably create a new email address just for this the podcast. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, but for now, you know, just rad at radradio.com. If there's anything you want to talk about, be it sex, religion, being a millennial, um, how TV shows, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about this, the stupid TV shows we're binging. She was, uh, Amanda was telling me about Ozark and how much it's not like Breaking Bad before we were recording uh, this podcast, then I still don't believe her. <laughs> but uh, but the, also, the other one that I really think that you should watch is The Hand Handmaid's Tale. Now, is there sex it's in so, that? Fuck, yeah. Okay, there's perfect. Then yeah, there's, a lot, there's lots of sex. The, the, the women, so it's a dystopian future, and the women... Some something's happened. I'm because I'm in the very first episode. The birth rate in uh, the world has gone down. Right. So now they've because they know how terrible kids are in the <laughs> right. future. But they're, they've um, enslaved all the women to be breeders for Ooh. these people in, in, in power. So oh, uh, this is, so they auction off the women to like for their services they put or them, well see i'm just i'm in the very first episode so it's like prostitution basically mm, it's uh, enslavement camps basically oh, shit. <laughs> yeah that sounds awesome and they like brainwash the women so that they they're like these weird little quaker women that just start <laughs> to sleep with the the dudes and stuff awesome. yeah so yeah i mean we could talk about anything see just like that we could talk about anything and everything you want to um rad at radradio.com This is the first edition of the Rad Prodcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye. The Rad Prod.